Thank you for joining in for this City Lights Church podcast. We're a new church in the north of Brisbane, and you can find out more about us at www.citylights.community. We hope that this podcast encourages you in your journey of following Jesus. Upside down, uh, the Upside Down Kingdom, where... We have been looking at the topic of the kingdom of God, also called the kingdom of heaven. And so this is the final week. Here's what Jesus said in his teaching. He said this, don't worry about your life. That's it. That's what he said. So if you've come here and you've got any kind of worries regarding any part of your life, I just want to tell you just stop. Just stop worrying right now. All right. So, I mean, I think we would all agree with the concept, but then we'd be like, if we took a step back, we'd be like, well, I got a bit of fuel for my worry, right? I got a bit of ammunition. I got a a couple of things going on in my life. Like, I get that we should stop worrying, but kind of like, have you seen my bank balance? Or have you met my boss? Or do you know my situation in my home? or the situations in my relationships. And so we've got all these kind of legitimate reasons for us to worry. And I think if we went around, we passed the mic, we're not going to do this. Don't be afraid. Tell us your worries, all right? We've got some real reasons to have concern, to have worries. We've got all kinds of challenges going on in our life. Now, Jesus is not, he's in this statement, and we're going to unpack this a little. He's not saying, this is what he's not saying. He's not saying just like get over yourself or just put your head in your sand and pretend like nothing is going on. Jesus actually, in this passage that we read, he actually legitimizes the need that we have. He legitimizes the, the things that we're worried about, not the worry itself, but the actual, the needs that we have. And so we've got this situation where Jesus is saying, don't worry about your life. And we're saying like, I would if I could. But then he's saying like, your needs are real. The things that, the provision that you need is real. And for most of us, most of our time in our life is spent running our lives and providing either for our own needs or the needs of people that we are responsible for. So for some of us, like we are at a stage where we're like, I want to get food on the table and a roof over my head. All right. So that's one level. And then others are thinking as sometimes leaders or business owners, employers, or people with clients, I don't just provide for myself, but I have to think about the needs of the other people that are relying on us, parents, If you're an employer, your employees, if you have clients, so you have this responsibility and it's weighty and there are real things going on in people's lives. And we have real personal needs, real financial needs, real uh, needs in our day-to-day living. And you, you would agree, like you've got needs, right? And so if our needs are legitimate, and the things that are going on are, are real and important, but at the same time, 
Jesus says, stop worrying what's going on. And so we're going to read this passage from Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. It says this, No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is life not more than food, or the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So don't worry, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what shall we wear for the pagans? You could also call them unbelievers. Run after all these things and your heavenly Father knows you need them. But... It's what we've been singing about, talking about, seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So let me set these three things up regarding the kingdom of God, which is what Jesus is talking about here. The first thing is that the kingdom of God is Jesus' main message. When Jesus came to earth to preach, the thing that he preached about was the kingdom of God. Now, it wasn't a geographical or political kingdom. It wasn't a country or a state. It was uh, something that you couldn't always see. Yes, you could experience it, but it was something that was inside out. And you could experience it more like you experience a relationship and the effects of a healthy relationship rather than necessarily like bricks and mortar, right? Or a, or a castle or a kingdom, that kind of way. So this is his main message. And it's a way of being and a system of doing. This is what the kingdom of God means. So that's number one. And what we've been talking about, we've actually been putting some detail to the kingdom. So you can go back and catch up on our podcast if you want to know more about this. But we came up with uh, four signs that the kingdom is in you from the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, right? And here they are. You are aware you are spiritually bankrupt without God. You're emotionally moved by what moves God. You don't force your way through life and you are driven to please God. These are Things, signs that you know the kingdom of God is in you. All right, it's important. Even though it is not a geographical kingdom, it's still important that we know how do I know the kingdom of God has come to me? All right, the second thing that we looked at, the second list, is signs that we are authentically living out the kingdom of God as a Christian. Here they are you use your power to help the hurting and helpless, you allow God to cleanse your desires, attitudes, and thinking. You contend to restore good in the midst of evil, and you see pain in the light of eternity. I think that's very important, right? So these are the kingdom of God is 
is real, but it is inside. It touches every aspect of our life, our being and doing. So that's the first thing, Jesus' main message. The second thing is that you and I, our main responsibility is to live the kingdom. Did you know that? To actually represent our king. So not only should we know those things, but if I'm choosing to identify with Christ, Jesus, my responsibility is to live out those things in a very real way. And that is costly because it's going to go against my normal and natural desires. I'm going to have to lay some things down so I can pick up what Jesus has called me to. So first thing is, it's Jesus' main message. Second thing, it's our call to life, to live the kingdom on heaven, uh, in earth as it is in heaven, right? So I'm going to be changed from the inside out and people are going to experience what, it's, what Jesus is like through relationship together and through what Jesus is doing within me. All right, this is a process. We've all got things that we're on this journey, right? So that's the second thing. It's our main responsibility. The third thing is there are barriers to stop us living out the kingdom. And the main, one of the main barriers that Jesus is talking about is anxiety. It's anxiety and the activity that flows from our anxiety. And we're going to unpack this a bit. So what is going to stop you and I living out the kingdom of God? It's anxiety. Now, when we talk anxiety, sometimes that's me curled up in a ball, being fearful, paralyzed, anxious. Other times, anxiety comes as power and control and anger. Okay, both are forms of anxiety. And so what is going to stop us from seeing the kingdom come in our life? Jesus is talking about it. it's anxiety, it's worry. And we're going to unpack this a little bit. Let me give you two things that happen when we worry. So think about this. You've got some travel. So think about me. I've got some travel in my car this week. So this week I'm going to Noosa and I'm speaking at a Bible college retreat, right? And then I've got a couple of trips around. So I'm going to need a tank of petrol. So a tank of petrol right now, that's going to cost me between $500 and $1,000 with petrol, right? It's like, isn't it like $5.50 a litre? No, it's not. It's a joke. All right. Best jokes are the one you have to explain, by the way. P.S. So I've got my destination and I've got my fuel. And so what would happen if I've went to the petrol station, I've filled up, and then I'm sitting in the car park with my engine and I'm sitting there and I'm revving the engine and I'm braking and I'm revving the engine and I'm, I'm turning, but I'm not going anywhere. This is what it's like when we worry. We use incredible fuel, but as we know, worry wastes and worry wearies us. Worries is incredibly unproductive because we're just burning through all this emotional energy, going over scenarios. Is that just me or is that anyone else here, right? You're just working stuff out. In your mind, you're having these conversations with people. You're thinking through scenarios. How are we going to problem solve? How are we going to move forward? 
And it's incredibly unproductive. It's like you using half a tank of petrol just by sitting in the car park, putting your foot on the accelerator, redlining your engine, but going nowhere. That's what worry does. Worry uh, wearies us and worry wastes. Jesus says, who by worrying has added anything to their life? Worry doesn't add anything to our life, but we still do it. That's the first thing. The second thing, and this is one of the biggest things that I've seen as a, as a pastor and as a disciple maker, is that when worry comes, when anxiety comes, people go into submarine mode. All right, this is, this is what it looks like. So I've got all, these, all this pressure and all these things coming at me. And so what I do is I batten the hatches and I go down and I submerge. And so I say, what I say to myself is, I've just got to tough this out. It's all up to me. A submarine has all its own resources, all its own air supply. And you go deep, you batten the hatches, you submerge, the periscope goes down and you go deep. What is the issue with that? The issue with that is that you isolate yourself. You isolate yourself from God and also from community. Now, I've seen this, but I've also felt the tension and I feel the tension of when you get anxious that you want to shut up shop, you want to close down, right? One of the ways that I felt this is, uh, let let me go back a step. I knew uh, that I was going to go into ministry. Like uh, I, I believe that God calls people to Uh, minister and to carry the message of Jesus wherever they are, right? But I felt that I was going to go into church ministry eventually. And I had a conversation with God, maybe it was like, I don't know, like 14, 15 years ago. And I said, God, I don't want to have to worry about money. All right. But I'm going to follow you. I don't want to have to worry about money. And God's like, yeah, cool. And so at that time, I was earning a lot of money. So I didn't have to worry about money. I was in Sydney. I was in sales. And then we got fast forward maybe like 12 years later. And then at that time, uh, I'm, we're starting this church and we're doing this as without any pay, full-time volunteer. And so we had some savings. But what I felt, the pressure that I felt not having income coming in was not to stop giving because that's part of my lifestyle, not to stop tithing. Uh, but it was actually to stop being generous with my money, particularly around having fun as a family. So this was just my specific thing, right? So I was like, okay, we got to tough this out. We're going submarine. There's going to be like no ice cream and no burgers and no pizza because we're serving Jesus. And, and that was how I felt this pressure to in, in this season. And I felt I was battening the hatches. And God said to me, even though that word was true, it was both true and tested. And he said to me, you need to open up. You need to be generous. Really interesting. Um, God actually, someone that uh, I didn't ask them, but they they said, hey, I want to send you some money for a year. And I want you to use this money to take your kids out. And to have a meal together. It's just amazing how God provides. But I felt that pressure 
to close up, to go deep, to say, I'm going to tough this out. I'm going to go deep. And then when everything's better, I'm going to surface. Have you ever seen a submarine surface? It's quite cool. Or maybe I'm going to go deep and then I'm going to stick up the periscope and look around, right? And when you do that, anxiety will isolate you. It'll isolate you from the provision of God. It'll isolate you from the family of God. And you'll think that it's all up to you. So what does Jesus mean when he says, don't worry about your life? Here's a scripture, Matthew 6.33. It's coming up here. And it says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, here are two statements that I believe that Jesus is trying to communicate. The first thing is, it's not about me. And the second thing is, it's not up to me. And so if you can actually get a revelation of that, which is hard, it is one of the most freeing things that can happen in your life because we... I I feel that both of those things, I, I feel honestly that I have a gravitational pull to make everything about myself. Is that just me? So Martin Luther, the reformer, he described sin as the inward curve that wants to make everything about you. This is what it means. It's I want this all to be about me. And then when it's all about me, also we can feel that it's, all up to me. And so we can have a misplaced sense of responsibility. Now, I'm not talking about living flippantly or not having responsibility. I'm just talking, I'm going to explain what I mean by that. And this is a crazy statement. Who would have thought this is like one of the most upside down statements in the whole Bible, the whole message of Jesus, that your life is not about you. It's so contrary to the messages of our culture, to our feelings, and also that it's up to you because we feel like we have to make our own way. So here is what Jesus is saying. Don't take your life into your own hands for your own goals. Again, we'll explain this. This is not about living without ambition or desire or it's not just going into this kind of like, Crazy kind of hippie mode where you float around. But here's what else he says. Don't buy into a system where your needs can be provided apart from God. This is what it's saying in that first part. It says you can only serve one master. It's translated the word, uh, original word mammon to money. And that's okay. But when it says you can only have one master, you can either have God or mammon, mammon actually represents a system of provision that is apart from God, that is opposed to God. So don't buy into a system that I have my own goals and I achieve them my own way. So it's up to me. It's up to my brilliance. It's up to my hard work. It's up to my education. All of those things are important, but they cannot be primary. What has to be primary is what Jesus wants. It's his kingdom. That's what has to be primary in my life, right? 
I have to put God first in my life. So don't take your life into your own hands for your own goals and don't buy into a system where your needs can be provided apart from God. If you are thinking it's all up to me, head down, submarine mode, close the hatches, I'll see you in a couple of months. I have never seen that work out well for myself or for anyone that I've ever been involved in leading or discipling. And I'm going to give you an alternative. So I'm going to talk about three ways to release kingdom provision in your life. And the first way is this, fire your boss. Now, one of my, I know a few people in the banking industry and they have this statement, um, which I, th- I think it's amusing. Um, and it says, we have asked this person to seek excellence elsewhere. <laughs> and so they've fired someone, but they've said, hey, we want you to seek excellence elsewhere. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to do a performance review of when your life, how are you going when you're the boss and when you lead your life on the basis of anxiety and worry. Okay, who's ever had a performance review in a a paid position? Yeah, you've had one, so you know what that's like. So these are your metrics. How are you doing, Andrew? The answer for me is horribly. I do a really bad job. And so what what I want you to do, I've got a a special uh, kind of illustration here. So this is Donald Trump, all right? So I'm not going to go all American Republican on you so you can be, it's a bobblehead. So this is, my sister bought this for me. Um, I think it was back in like early 2000s. So early 2000s before Donald Trump Uh, became president, he was on this show called The Apprentice. And it was like the original Apprentice show. She got this from Trump Tower. So uh, we used to watch that show and and her and her husband did and we would talk about it, chat about it. So I love this. This is like a a special gift um, from my sister to me. And it says, what he was famous for, down the bottom is it says, you're fired. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to fire yourself as boss of your life. And what I'm encouraging you to do is to put Jesus as the CEO and the boss of your life and to put him in the the place. There is no such thing as a kingdom without a king. And what I've worked out is when lowercase king, Andrew runs lowercase kingdom of Andrew. It's a disaster. Maybe you're better. Maybe you've got some runs on the board. Maybe your worry, anxiety, whether that's turning out as anger or whether that's turning out as paralyzing is working really well for you. If that's you, you can kind of like mentally clock off. But what I think is for most people, starting with myself, when I put myself as king of my life, I'm horrible. I'm a bad decision maker. And so my invitation is to put Jesus in his right place. And what this means, it means establishing the lordship 
of Jesus, not just saying Jesus is my Savior, but Jesus is my Lord. I'm okay for Jesus to tell me what to do. You cannot have a Christianity of faith in Jesus because we are not qualified to lead our own lives. We do not have the resources. We do not have the emotional capacity. We do not have the energy. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to fire your own boss. Give him the keys to the control room. The access, all access pass to your life, every area of your life. The second thing I want you to do is to surface the submarine and open the hatches. If you are shut down in every area, if you are dealing with the challenges of life by going solo, if you think that the way that you're going to succeed is like you are Luke Skywalker and you are piloting into the Death Star and it's all up to you, you are solo solo piloting yourself to success, I want to encourage you to surface that submarine, to open up the hatches and to allow God in, to open up yourself. And I want you to open up yourself to the fact that he might make different decisions, that he might have different priorities, that he might get you to do something different or in a different way than what you have done it before in the past. Now, here's what I want to say, and listen to me very carefully, that some of you in this time, you are going through an incredibly difficult season. Some of you might be uh, stressed, you might be burnt out. I am not just saying that you tough it all out. And here's, I'm going to give you a scripture, here's what I mean. I'm just saying wherever you are, you've got to make decisions, but whatever you do, open up to Jesus in that decision-making Process. Let me read Romans 12 from the message. You're going to need to listen to this. It's not on the board. It says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. So if if you're in a situation where you need to change some stuff, if you need to stop doing some stuff, if you need to start doing some different stuff, Make decisions, do what you need to do, but invite God into that process. Don't just make all those decisions on your own based on your own anxiety and worry because you'll make some really bad decisions and you'll actually often solve a problem by creating a bigger problem. And I've done that. It's not pleasant. But you just, wherever you are, you just say, God, I open up. I've got this challenge. How can I partner with you to walk through this challenge? Not putting your head in the sand, not pretending it doesn't exist, not closing up, not pushing other people away. So you open up and you say, God, this is a real thing. I'm hurting. I can't do this. I'm out of energy. I'm out of love. 
I open up to you. I allow your presence. I allow your voice. Speak to me. I'm not just going to look for you to rubber stamp what I already want to do, but I'm just going to take my everyday life and give it to you as an offering. So here's what it means. It means that we learn to align our life to the Word of God. What does God want to say about relationships? What does God want to say about going through difficult times? What does God want to say about finances? And that you, al- you start to align to that and you experience the blessing and the peace that comes from that because you're not doing things in your own way. You're not having to force your way through life. Make sense? The second thing that you need to do is you just need to, even in the midst of difficult situations, is to still be generous in some way, in a small way. So for us as a, as a family, we're uh, in the process of buying a house. One of the first things that we did, we prayed together and also we contributed to the building fund here, legacy offering. Why did we do that? Because we believe that when we put God first, when we build his house, he will build our house. This is a, a pattern of living, right? Otherwise, we're just we're saying, okay, I'm going to do my thing and then I'll give God the scraps. If that's, if that's the case, you're not really treating God as God. You're treating it as something else and you would need to work out what that is. The last thing, I'm going to invite Naomi back. The last thing will be done soon is that we need to add faith to our obedience. So some of you have made steps, you've taken steps, you've put the kingdom of God first, and now's the time to add faith. And now's the time to have a bold request to God for Him to come through. And that's okay, that's not demanding, that's what He wants. And He's saying, what Jesus is saying If our life and our mind is dominated by anxiety, we have displaced the ability for God to work through us in faith because anxiety and faith cannot coexist. Sometimes we still have doubts. Sometimes we still have worries. But when we take that step of faith, and here's what I want to say to those of you and you could, you would I reckon that every person here could think of one area that they've put God first because our church is a church that loves Jesus that serve serves others if you're serving others and you've done that then I want you to make a step and I want you to claim a promise of God in faith and say you know the word of God says that those that refresh others will themselves be refreshed So I don't want you to be passive about this. I want you to be active about this and say, Jesus, I've served. I've put you first. I've given of myself time and time again. Would you refresh me? Would you do stuff that I can't? Would you work in my workplace? Would you work in my studies? Would you work in my home, in my circumstance? Would you bring peace to my life? And I encourage you, and some of you haven't felt the confidence to step out in faith. Some of you have been giving and, and you need uh, financial provision. I encourage you, say, God, I've put you first in my finances. I'm believing for provision. I'm believing for a new job. I'm believing 
for you to change the things that I can't change, the things that I think are impossible. So I want to stir up right now faith in your spirit, faith in your heart that is going to say, God, I've I've sought you. I've put you first. I've established your Lordship. I've made you King over this area and I need you to come through. And I'm believing and I'm claiming the authority of Jesus Christ. I'm claiming the authority of the Word of God. Why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to take a moment. And I want you to grab hold of something in your spirit. I want you to grab hold of something that you're believing through for. An area of breakthrough. Maybe it's for yourself. Maybe it's for a family member or a friend. Maybe it's for something in your life, in your relationships. Maybe it's for something in your family. Maybe it's for something in your health. Maybe it's for something in your finances. Maybe it's for something in your studies. Whatever it is, bring it to God and open up and say, God, I need breakthrough and allow the presence of the Holy Spirit the voice of the Spirit to speak to you. Can we do that just in faith? Why don't you lift your hands and just bring that request to God. He is a good Father. He is a good Father. Right now, Lord, You're breaking things open. You're releasing things. Right now, I'm I'm praying for and joining with parents that are believing for their kids to come to faith. I'm joining with families who need restoration and peace. I'm joining with people who are under incredible stress and pressure in the workplace. I'm joining in people that don't have direction in their life. They don't know where to go next, the next step. And we are releasing the anointing of God, the presence of the Holy Spirit all across this room, all across this room. All you need to do is say, I'm in. I'm in. You need to lean in. Say, God, I don't know exactly what's involved, but I'm in. I'm in. Those that are, that are struggling with uh, mental health and depression, Jesus is bringing light and life to your heart. Right now. Right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let me give you this scripture. And then I'm going to pray and we'll be done. This is the authority that we have to claim the promises of God. 2 Corinthians 1.24 No matter how many God, promises God has made, they are yes in Jesus Christ. And it says, and the amen is ours. Amen means let it be done. So there are all these promises that Jesus has opened up And when we say, let it be done in my life, let it be done in my family, let it be done in my workplace, that's when we unlock the provision of God. And I want to encourage you, let this be a real thing for you. Live a life of faith. Add faith to your obedience. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you take your seats?
Thank you for listening. You can find out more about City Lights Church at www.citylights.community.